Hello there. You're about to listen to an episode of Food and Health Talk, Legacy Food and Health Talks. You know, in 2023, Food and Health Talks rebranded and relaunched as change makers. But all the episode we've recorded up to this point is still available for you to listen. And you're just about to listen to one of them. Enjoy it. And don't forget, Food and Health Talks is now Changemaker Podcast. Thank you. Welcome to a new episode of the Food and Health Talks podcast, a show focused on educating and empowering people to create a healthier future through nutrition and wellness education. A show where you will find interviews with leading scientists making groundbreaking discoveries, innovators, and global food industry leaders. It is that show you do not want to miss with your host, Dr. Julia Oleanju. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Food and Health Podcast. On this episode, we have a very special guest, Halon Chan. Halon is the founder of TasteWise, a company that collects billions of data points across social media to understand consumer needs and guide food innovation. TasteWise works with leading food brands and help them to make intelligent decisions on what consumers need. Halon, it's so great to have you here. I look forward to our conversations together. Our conversation together. Thank you for having me, Julia. It's very exciting to be uh, talking to you again. Right. We've met a couple of times in the past, and we're finally having a virtual meeting and not just face to face. It's it's uh, yeah, no, it's, a, it's great. <laughs> so. Um, I always like starting by letting our audience, giving them a chance to know you, know our guests, know your background. What led you to doing what you're doing today? Do you mind sharing a bit about that? No, absolutely. It would be a pleasure. So I'm uh, born and raised in a small city south from Tel Aviv, Israel. Um, I started coding when I was 12 years old. I was a geek, you know, with a very thick book uh, um, teaching uh, myself how to code uh, in assembly uh, language. Um, many, many years ago, I don't want to disclose my age, um, but more than 20 years ago. Uh, and actually, uh, later on, I had uh, my first business in high school where I assembled and built uh, more than a thousand computers and sold them to uh, medium businesses all over the country. And actually, the bigger part of my career I spent at Google, where I uh, incepted and led uh, the foundation of uh, Google Partners, which is Google's partnership uh, program with more than 60,000 partners all over the world, launched it in, uh, um, in 27 uh, markets, including North America, and made it uh, uh, more than a billion dollar um, revenue in revenue and a big success. And was also, you know, my, my uh, uh, very proud moment of uh, getting a, a massive innovation out of, uh, out of Israel. Um, and uh, TasteWise is, is an interesting story. We Everything started actually on my family's uh, Shabbat dinner. So my mom is of Iraqi descent and, and she uh, makes amazing uh, Jewish Iraqi food every Shabbat dinner. And what I found out is that every Wednesday is there's something super interesting happening on the family WhatsApp group. My mom goes on every single week and asks us uh, and is asking us, what is new this week? Or what is your new shtick this week? Because, you know, she's been putting so much effort and hard work in, in the dishes that she traditionally was cooking for us and we all loved. 
but now we're in paleo and on keto and on you know uh pescatarian and my and my sister-in-law is sometimes you know vegan you know strict vegan and sometimes she's a little bit more flexible so it would be really disappointing for my mom who's put so much effort in uh in making dinner for all of us uh, every shabbat on a friday evening and so i i you know i spoke to my um my friend Ayal, who's now my co-founder and, uh, and a tech lead at the company. And we were talking to each other and told him, listen, something big is happening in this world. Uh, people are changing their food preferences faster than ever before. Um, and there is a whole industry that needs to adjust, do they? And then what we found is actually that uh, even though consumers became a lot more agile in this uh, environment, uh, food brands and the food ecosystem at large is pretty much staying behind. Um, if, uh, if we look at the number of uh, products uh, launched in the US, around 30,000 new food and beverage products are launched to the retail space every single year in the US. Nearly 90% of those fail. The price in that spectrum is so big, it's like tens of billions of dollars, but put aside the loss in, you know, in financial um, finances and, and revenue, but put forward you know, the food scientists, the production lines, the ingredient sourcing, the shelf space, all the hard work and efforts people have been putting into uh, making this uh, food and beverage uh, product uh, possible. What if they made something people really needed? Right? This could be so much good for, for the environment, so, so much good for consumers, and really, really good for the business, which is the exciting part of today's world where you know what consumers want, what our planet needs, and what will bring financial re rewards and return actually is uh, in the right intersection and is driving the transformation in the food and beverage industry. And uh, what TasteWise is doing today is really to help food brands, small and big, from the PepsiCo to the Just Egg of the world, to better understand consumer consumptions and take their products from concept to commercializing. So we're helping them develop the new product, think about the consumer needs, how to market, how to package, which content should they uh, put out there, and last but not least, accelerate their food service sales to uh, make sure that uh, you know that their product is uh, available uh, to anyone who needs that. Um, how do we do that? We basically take billions of data, uh, data points. Social is one of our data sources. Very important to know what people are talking about. And, uh, and uh, you know, 69% of millennials say that they take a picture of a dish and upload it before they eat it. So there's a lot, of, a lot of opportunity in this world as well. But social on its own is not enough. We're also monitoring uh, 100 million menu items from uh, across uh, all restaurants in the US and UK. Every week, we're monitoring the menu items and we're monitoring the traffic to four and a half million uh, recipes so, from all over the world. Right. So when you say you're monitoring them, break it down a little bit. What exactly do you do? How do you monitor all these things? Yeah. So we're looking at all the data, all the digitally available food and beverage uh, and eating and drinking related uh, pieces of information. And we apply really advanced uh, technology to understand the moment to understand the eating and drinking and to uh, be able to um, extrapolate from there what was on the plate and why was it there, right? So if someone is eating a plant-based burger 
And they're saying, I love this plant-based burger, hashtag cruelty-free. Our technology will be able to say, oh, this is a, a, this is a plant-based burger, but the reason why the person really wanted to have this burger is animal cruelty, right? So we go to, uh, and we train our algorithms to understand the deep human motivation behind the eating and drinking consumption moments. And this is the granularity of the, of the technology and, and the capability. We also, just to make, uh, make it a little bit more uh, real, um, we really need as an industry to understand how people are, uh, are changing their home cooking behavior, right? It's important because it's one of the first behaviors that are changing when someone has a need or a new uh, requirement. Now, if you look at the, uh, the grocery store and what people are buying, 70% of it are going to be ingredients for cooking. Meaning you bought a chicken breast and a tomato, it doesn't really help me much. I need to know if you made a chicken burrito with it or maybe you made a chicken salad. And if you know that, and this is what we're doing, we're, we're looking at four and a half million recipes that are digitally available, the largest cookbook in the world, and we're measuring the traffic to the recipes to understand uh, what is uh, uh, trending uh, and what's not. Does that make sense? It does, it does make sense. It does make sense. So artificial intelligence is what drives um, the information you gather. So um, let's dive deep a bit into the, um, risk, the the makeup of your company. So let's say that today you do your servicing, you're focused on servicing food brands, but do you have any plans to support research sometimes in the future? Based on the amount of information available to you on a regular basis, do you have any plans in that direction at all? Yeah, so here's the thing, right? I come from a school called Google and Google's mission was to take the world's information, make it useful and accessible to all. We're doing pretty much the same with our data. So anyone who's listening at this very moment can get into our free version and even not free version, even open, uh, open uh, pages um, and find TasteWise's data, find what is trending in the pasta category, Try, find what is the average, uh, um, uh, average price of a burger in uh, Mexican restaurants, and really be able to understand uh, the landscape and the market at large. We do believe democratizing the food-related data is, a, is an important mission beyond just you know monetizing it, and we believe that you know monetization uh, will follow. So our information is is broadly available and can already be used. Um, it is being used for research uh, at large. Um, we're not yet working with the, uh, with the academia in a direct manner, but a lot of our uh, customers are working, you know, using our data together with academia to be able to progress and uh, promote uh, uh, research and be able to know even what to research. That's good. Thank you so much. So um, looking at consumer um, preferences over the past four years, have you seen any particular change uh, in a direction? Is it towards Elder food away from elder food is it what what are you seeing what are you observing in the marketplace today yeah so i think that the one thing that is like overarching everything is that uh you know the, the vast majority of of uh consumers make their choices around food um when with price in in mind right price is a big driver 
In America, especially, the reason uh, people are choosing as many colors as possible for their dollar because they need to get by the day and so on. So price is still, you know, a big part. Second is taste. So something can be very affordable if it's not tasty, if it's not indulging, if it's not comforting, people are not going to consume it. So second is taste. Um, and the third, what we see today uh, is health. But interesting thing is that health is going down. And one would ask, how can it go down? And actually, uh, it's a little bit tricky, but actually health in a purest way is going down. People are not saying, oh, I'm eating something that is healthy. People are saying, I'm eating something that is good for my immune system. <laughs> I'm consuming because it's uh, improving my sleep regime. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's helping my uh, fertility, my gut health. Uh, it gets me uh, you know, brain, uh, uh, brain health and brain function. And the interesting part is that consumers are becoming sophisticated. They are not settling on the high level big promise. And it's a big, it's a big consideration because uh, if uh, previously it was enough to say, oh, this is high in protein, it's really healthy for you. It's no longer the case. You need to be more granular, more specific. And this is also where research is coming into play, but also the need to build the trust with consumers, right? And uh, one, of the, one of the things that, you know, constantly uh, keep me up at night, right, is like, how, how, is, how is it or what will happen in the future uh, for the food industry in the world of fake news, right? So I'll give an example of, of exactly what I'm thinking. Even though the FDA approved the vaccination, so many people just find random information online and then they trust the information. And then they, even though something very, 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 you know, a, a well-established institution is saying, oh, this is safe for you. They sit there and they say, no, I see an Instagram post and it's not. How in this, you know, new world, a new context, will food brands survive? If you put a claim on your package, right? You know how much uh, these uh, companies are thinking about the, the claims on the packaging and, the, and all the regulation they need to go through. Is this really helpful? Will people anyway believe it, right? Or do you need to actually be part of a bigger, broader, you know, uh, education path for, uh, for, the, for, for, the, for people um, and for the industry at large? So I think it's very interesting to be thinking of, of being able to build trust with consumers and this is, uh, Julia, also why, why a lot of the smaller brands are really succe uh, successful these days, right? Because they are perceived more authentic. Uh, the, the, the way people promote, the way companies promote them is more by word of mouth and influencer marketing, but smaller influencers, right? Small micro-influencers that are truly and, and, and uh, genuinely are excited about the food and the product they're consuming, so they recommend it to their friends. So there's a big question there for big food, especially on how do they cope with the lack of trust of consumers in general um, in, um, in corporations and in the establishments. Yeah, and that's, that's a very important point. Uh, and I think that when people say something and people find you uh, to be truthful, it's not difficult to believe you when you say something next time. But when people say something, when they say it's low sugar and you find out that it's loaded with sugar, then when you say something next time, people do not believe you. So I think the trust thing, um, it's a big issue in, in the food industry, but it's a problem only the food brands can solve. When you are transparent and you're honest, 
then people over time will start trusting and, and trusting you. And also to uh, the second point that you made, um, I think it's really important for, for us when we think about uh, the future of food. People, yes, people are more, they're more intelligent in their approach. And because we have a society where we're highly connected, people share information very easily. And technology has brought information to the fingertips of people. So people read more and they know more. So it's very, I'm not surprised that they want specific things, like something that affects my mood, something that affects my, my um, brain health or gut health or something like that. So definitely there's a lot of work to be done in terms of um, informing people, educating them to help them know and make better choices. With regards to the other point that you made, I, I found that quite amusing because it's something I was thinking about recently as well, that people will believe someone on social media, but someone that's had like 30 years of education and saying, this is really good for you. They refuse to believe it. And the person that they're believing on social media does not even have an high school education, but because this person said it, they will hold on to it. Yeah, th that, that is an issue. Um, that is an issue, but I, I, it's, uh, it's something we, we don't know exactly how we'll come around it, but it, it is a real issue. But I feel like food brands have a role to play on their own in terms of solving their own issue. But the smaller ones, well, over time, hopefully something um, something will walk around and people will get around believing who they should believe instead of following whoever on social media. So I'll move on to the next question. Um, you, you answered a number of my questions together with your response, and especially the one on factors driving change. We know that um, funds and money is, is, a big, uh, is a big player here. So, one big thing that I've been very, very curious to know is, did you observe any sudden changes in the past 20 months with, especially with COVID-19 um, pandemic uh, that we've all, that's resulted in a lot of changes, changes in lifestyle, changes in, in so many things. Did you observe any change, any sudden change in trends in the last 20 months? Yeah, everything changed in 20 months, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the interesting uh, part, you know, when we started the business and we started talking to, to food brands, they were, you know, pretty much happy with the solutions they had, with the research they conducted last year, with a, a survey of 300 people, and they kind of uh, were very proud of. And today, they know and they understand that last year's report has nothing to do with next year's strategy. You really need to be able to get real and fresh data in order to make your business decisions, especially as, as a lot of the decisions you're making are long and has a lot of implications on production lines and a lot of implications on, on your business. So basically the, the COVID really did a huge favor for, uh, for the industry and for consumers as well, because companies understand they need to be on top of the information and the relevant information of today and not of yesterday. So that was the biggest change from the, from the industry perspective and it was really good for, for the business, right? Because we're a real-time solution. We believe you need to know today what's going on with your consumer and not what happened six months ago and, 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 and uh, two years ago. In terms of the consumer behavior, um, the interesting thing is that everything changed for, for for star, yeah, right? If you look at the, uh, the food industry large in the US, half of the consumer span goes to restaurants and the other half goes to grocery. When restaurants got a hit, right? 
they got a hit really bad because they had to close down their businesses. If you were not digital, you kind of disappeared. And, and retailers were, you know, were uh, basically benefiting from that. What happened over, over time is that restaurants, as an agile, you know, they were agile enough to understand they need to change. And a lot of them were onboarded to, uh, to food delivery. And actually what we see today is that 50% of the restaurants in the U.S., are on the three major uh, food delivery services together. Not one, not two, on all three. That means that um, they adapted really well and now the, the market uh, is back to its balance where restaurants is a little bit uh, bigger uh, vertical than, uh, than retail and grocery uh, purchase in the food uh, category. So consumers basically have to, to adjust and that's why they spend a dollar differently, but they also adapted new behaviors. Uh, they also adopted the, the you know the older generation that never imagined that we will be ordering DoorDash or or GrabHub or Postmates. All of a sudden, found themselves that they have to. They sometimes they couldn't get in line uh, uh, for the online uh, e-retail, so they had to buy you know ready-made um, restaurant uh, uh, di uh, dishes from restaurants, and then they got experience in in a new technology that they found very convenient. So they actually now they have a new habit that they changed. And, um, and in, on that front, if you're thinking about it, um, we say that um, um, you know, today they're, they're restaurants and they're virtual restaurants, right? The virtual restaurants are restaurants that are, um, they only have an online presence. They don't have an offline presence. They don't have a real restaurant you can walk into. And we say it's, uh, uh, it's basically in the future, all restaurants will just be called restaurants because who knows what's virtual restaurant and what's not. Okay. And, um, and that is a new thing. And when virtual restaurants are, um, are coming into play, Nextbyte is one of the bigger players. It's today the largest uh, and, fastest, uh, and the fastest growing restaurant chain in the US. So if you think about it, the next McDonald's is actually going to be a brand uh, that is actually a collection of small brands that you don't even know. Yeah. And that is the beauty of, of uh, the transformation. Now, on the other hand, given the fact that, you know, restaurants were not as available, people try to, uh, um, people try to create a better experiences for them, even though they were at home. So home cooking became a real thing. And you remember the sourdough, uh the the sourdough bread uh, uh, cra craziness people were making sourdough because their time they could feed the uh, uh they could feed the uh, you know the dough all day long and play with it and create something that you know that otherwise if they were just going to the office in the morning coming back in the evening they would never do so we saw a huge spike in in people's needs for recipes so that you were using uh, new recipes that we were very surprised for. So the biggest category was like cooking with your kids. Mm -hmm. So people said, if we anyways need to, you know, we need to spend time together and, you know, why don't we make dinner for the kids together with the kids and make it, uh, you know, experiential. And experiential uh, eating is on the rise in, uh, in, uh, in general. And uh, the, the other thing uh, I already mentioned, um, health, you know, uh, is growing as a category, not in the in the in the regular form. Is actually not growing because people don't say I eat something healthy. They don't care about it. They say, as I mentioned, immune system, sleep improvement, fertility, you know, gut health, brain health, and so on. 
and and they will continue doing so and they're using a lot of new ingredients that were not there before and they were not you know um some some of them were there before like you know elderberry right uh um and uh and king oyster mushroom but but some other new ingredients like ashwagandha that comes from the ayurvedic indian medicine uh is now rising more than 100% year over year uh, as, as, a, as, as a natural way to boost the uh, immune system. And this is something that is there to stay. One thing that was interesting to see was that sustainability uh, was, uh, you remember right before COVID, I remember the, the online memes where we said that if we stop drinking cocktails or drinking with the plastic straws, we'll save planet Earth. And then COVID happened. And obviously we were more conscious and concerned about our health. So sustainability was kind of neglected. And you know, planetary health, uh, which is the main thing about sustainability that people care for, was actually on the decline, massive decline. Only now it's making its way back uh, to the normal state. So uh, the wildfires that happened across the world were actually in the climate change, the, the, and, the, and the iceberg you know, disappearing over time. Uh, was a big thing. And we take uh, uh, companies we're working with, take it very seriously and they really try to adapt and really change their behavior and production lines because they know it will be hitting them really badly over time. And the most important thing is to try and understand what, what, what will make more difference on the environment, but also what will actually get uh, consumers to, uh, to a more appealing state. That's interesting. So, um, it, it, of course, it's interesting to see all the breakdown. So, do you consider uh, those subcategories of health preferences? Um, you, you consider them because I, I know I noticed that you've said it twice now that health um, health preference for healthy food is really on the decline. But there are specific subcategories like people want something that's um, good for their digestive health, for their brain health, for their... So that is still under the category of healthy dining. Is that correct? Like, how yeah, do you group it? Yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's still, I was just, uh, it's just uh, prov um, provoking, right? Saying that okay. health is going down. It's going down in the very basic form. The okay. People don't say I eat something healthy anymore. Mm -hmm. They're saying I eat something that's good for my gut health, for my brain health, for okay. I'm, I'm uh, cleansing. I'm, you know, if I'm eating things that are, you know, uh, uh, that will not, you know, blow my 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 stomach and so on. Uh, help with with my depression, with my stress. Uh, so there's a lot of health-related benefits. Okay. Health and wellness is is the future of our of our industry, right? We know that. Uh, but what I want to just flag is that they are very smart. They're very specific. They're very granular in their decision descriptions and also their expectations. Right. So it's kind of like uh, there was a time people were upping around this diet, that diet, um, trying to lose weight and all that stuff. So it's more of today, people are more specific in terms of, it's not just I'm on this diet trying to um, lose weight or something it's more I want to improve my health in this area so I'm eating this particular so it, it's that's quite interesting because it shows us that people even know what is good like that specific in terms of I know this food item is good for this so I'm making this conscious effort to eat this because it's good for me in this regard so that's what you're saying is that correct 
Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay, okay. That, that's interesting. Um, also, I wanted to find out if you've observed uh, um, ambiguity. You know, sometimes people want to learn and they post on social media, they post questions about food, like, oh, what is happening here? Or what is, um, what is, what is this? Or what is that? You know, specific questions. I don't know if you've seen any tr particular trend in terms of what people are curious about, what kind of topics they're, they're trying to find out. Uh, um, what, what kind of questions are they asking? What are they curious about it? I was just wondering if you've seen anything in that direction on social media at all, or in any of your analysis at all. Yes, so here's the thing. For instance, when we're talking about gut health, right? Mm -hmm. It's very likely that someone will be talking on Instagram about their you know, bloated uh, experience and, and gut. It's not gonna happen. However, we can see from traffic to recipes that are choosing a lot more, you know, anti-bloating or, you know, uh, uh, reduced stomach aches and so on related recipes. So social media, as I mentioned, is one vehicle to better understand behavior. It, it cannot be the primary or this, the only one. It needs to be integrated with other alternative data sets. Um, yeah, but but the vast majority of, uh, of uh, for instance, traffic to recipes would be traffic, traffic to recipes with functional health benefits. Yeah. So all the functional health we have mentioned uh, earlier, um, there is obviously diets are there. They're always there. Um, they're always changing, right? There is always a new fashion. Um, what's not changing is not the diet, it's actually the motivation behind the diet, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm into the weight loss journey, I'm likely going to be there in this journey for a while and it's always going to be my top of mind. And so the diet may change, but then uh, the kind of uh, the tactics to, to address them uh, will be different. And we see, for instance, you know, um, the ketogenic diet is, is, uh, is uh, quite, uh, quite prominent in, in that uh, spectrum when you're thinking about the overall diets. If you put vegan and vegetarian and plant-based diets aside, um, also gluten-free because you know gluten-free is very specific for people, but keto is 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 a big thing. Okay, that's 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 good low carb is, uh, low carb follows right, mm. and clean eating is only third after that. What did you call this? Sorry, can you repeat that? I said that keto, the ketogenic diet, then low carb is always like a, a top of mind, and then clean, clean. the clean, okay. Okay. clean eating. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Okay, that's uh, that's really great. So if you look at what you've seen in the past four years, where do you see the future of food? Where do you see the food industry going? Yeah, I think that uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for, for uh, the fresh and ready to eat, right? So restaurants are going to become like a hub that is very close to us in the last mile kitchen. And I believe they are going to turn into a mini retail experience as well. Mm. So uh, that, is, that is already happening. We see that the big category for the food delivery uh, uh, partners, um, you know, platforms out there, uh, convenience store and like, um, and, and, and the retail experience is becoming one of their biggest uh, uh, growth drivers. And, and this is, uh, you know, uh, you can find it all over the news. And the ability for, obviously, the intersection between uh, digital and food is always, is going to be very, very, very strong. Uh, so I want something, I want it now, or I have something, how can I process it differently? So that, that is going to be a, um, really a thing. I believe that just like fashion, right? 
the food industry is in its most um, uh, disruptive transformation. So if we look at fashion, only organizations that or and companies that were able to adapt to consumer needs and get a new fashion line in two weeks to the stores are those that survived. Same thing is going to happen with food. It's not going to be about a new thing, a new ingredient, a new dish, a new product. It's going to be about constant change. People need stimulation. People need new things. People are choosing more things, more, are adding more new ingredients and products into their baskets every single day, more than before. And they're changing their behavior. So I think that one of the biggest uh, disruptors of, of the players today is the ability to understand that you need to move fast. You need to iterate fast and your production lines need to adhere to that and your supply chain which is not an easy thing. And on the consumer side, I believe that uh, personalized nutrition is, is, um, and go, is going to be a, a big category. Uh, it's going to be more difficult to, um, to solve it technologically, but as soon as it's solved and your microbiome and, and your, uh, and your uh, different parameters, health parameters are going to be monitorable after you eat, consume anything of a sort, um, you will be able to change your uh, nutrition and routine and, and improve your health and well-being. Uh, we see people do it today with sleep, right? Monitoring their sleep really well and then uh, uh, adhering and, and adjusting to melatonin uh, consumption uh, as a result of their sleep routine. We know sleep deprivation is a big health risk and this is all. So the same thing will happen with food. You know, what is good for me? Because research indicates today that uh, different people, uh, when, when one group of people consume caffeine, it's really good for their heart. But the other group, it's, it may be actually deadly for that. So the, the personalization in that, uh, in that aspect and spectrum is going to be a big, uh, a big part. And uh, we'll see who's going to win. Uh, uh, who's going to win this game? But there is, uh, there are already uh, functional snacks. Uh, there is a company called My Air. Um, I think they're out of Israel and they do a, a snack bars that help you treat different stress uh, situations based on, uh, on adaptogens and so on. So there's already a, you know, a movement into that space and there's gonna be a lot more in the future. Yeah, that's, um, that, yeah we don't point with that. You know, um, I think it was three years ago, I was speaking with uh, one of the, I think a CFO from a venture fund from one of the big brands. So it said that something about big brands is that they are so big and they don't change that easily. It's just like a ship. You know, when, you're, when you have a ship um, on the waters and they need to turn, they can't turn so quickly like a small boat would. So they let down small boats. So that's the same thing food brands are doing today, that they're creating these small venture funds that can acquire all these innovative um, startups so that they can be part of what is happening. And I think you're really on, um, on right and on point with the, your response in, in that, whoever can innovate quickly, whoever can meet consumer need quickly will thrive. So that's just uh, 
what yeah. the the industry what the industry is calling for at this point uh, because consumers are changing very quickly and I really think that information availability of information is also at the bottom of this people know what's going on people are more informed than before people have access to information people are connected and they're always sharing and that's also driving change so they're always changing based on what they're learning and um, food brands will always have to stay on top of their game to, to stay in business. <laughs> so definitely. Um, it's been nice talking to you. I was wondering if people want to connect with you, if people want to learn more, um, how can they connect with you? How best can they reach you? Yeah, sure. So basically, uh, TasteWise has a free version available for anyone to try it out. And you can also chat to us on, on our uh, on our chat support on the on the website. Also, you're welcome to uh, visit tastewise.io. This is where you can find all of um, all of this information. And there's a lot of things for free. So you don't have to pay anything. You don't need the credit card. And you already consume a lot of information that is not available anywhere else. So you're welcome to do that. And I'm available on LinkedIn, Alon Chen. Uh, you're welcome uh, to, uh, to come look for me and uh, I'll be uh, more than happy to talk to you all of you. All right. Thank you so much, Halon. It's been really, really great uh, speaking with you today and um, looking forward to connecting with TestWise again in the future. It's always, uh, always a, a great time talking and learning from you. Thank you for having us uh, yeah. and me, Julia. Uh, it's, Very a pleasure. it's a pleasure. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'd like to share a very important tool that makes it very easy for me to prepare this podcast every single episode with you. And that tool is a platform called Anchor. Anchor is a platform created by Spotify, which makes it very easy to record, edit, merge, insert music into your audio, and just prepare everything you need for each of your episodes. It also makes it easy for you to work with your team as well. They could prepare the files for you and you upload easily or they upload for you. Whatever you want to do with preparing for and broadcasting your podcast, Anchor makes it easy. So check it out. It's free to create your account. And I also want to add this as a sponsored segment. Thank you again for listening to this episode. I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. Cheers. Thank you for joining us for another session of Food and Health Talks. We invite you to subscribe to this channel, share this with your friends and colleagues, and don't forget to leave a review for us. Together, we are joining hands to shape a healthier future of food.